Hey everyone, welcome to the fabulous Free Verse Friday edition of the Kingdom of God podcast. And I am truly feeling like I am in God's kingdom right now, I'm telling you. Uh, it is official, uh, and it was a Friday that it was official again. And last time, I think I told you I checked my phone while I was doing one of these because I felt things were just so magical. That was the Friday that I actually filed the claim. And wouldn't you know, it happens to be exactly the full moon when I check my phone today to see if there's something magical going on today. And uh, that magic was confirmed down at the courthouse. There has been no action on the court record from defense. Nothing has been provided to the courts from defense. Um, yeah, and you know, we just kind of like briefly confirmed the number of days that it's been. It's been 21 days, so they are beyond default judgment and uh yeah just got to go in on monday and file that so that's the good news for this fabulous freelance friday that's what i'm going to be talking about tonight i'm going to be telling you why i think that happened and uh what i believe their strategy is um i had these ideas before i didn't want to speak about them until i was sure that that was the actual outcome and, I mean, I really don't have any reason to believe that's not the outcome now. Because, yeah, if there was anything going on now, I would know. Um, because I actually watched the register, <laughs> you know, look up the file into the computer. And it's just like, no, there's nothing here at all. So, um, so yeah, more on that in just a minute. And as you can tell, I'm here on my patio enjoying the evening and preparing for a fabulous Freeverse Friday night. So thank you very much for being here. Back in a moment. All right, people. So, uh, yeah, this is my uh, patio on a Friday night. And I don't know if you can tell, but, like, it's just after 10 o'clock in the evening, nighttime. Uh, and it's like you can feel the energy of a Friday night. Um... Can you hear that music off in the distance? Like, uh, you know, and they're they're not, those neighbors are not too far away. They're like uh, a yard, one yard between us. Um, so their music's on pretty quiet, but you can tell that everybody's kind of prepping for a Friday night or a Saturday night. And later on tonight, usually around one or two in the morning, that's when people are, I guess, coming home from whatever they've been doing on a Friday night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can sit out here and sometimes just listen to, like, not necessarily the conversations exactly. Um, I try not to do that. It's impossible sometimes with my next-door neighbors. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I try not to listen to other people's conversation if I can help it. But anyway. Um, but no, you can hear, like, just the chattering of people on, on balconies and, and uh, you know, the laughing and, and whatever. The drunkenness. <laughs> the energy of the evening. Um, so you can feel that a little bit out here tonight, uh, and, man, <laughs> like, really, people, I don't know what to tell you, I really don't know what to tell you, I am, like, the most modest dude in the world, like, that's not a joke, um, when I tell you I don't care about money, I mean it, I really don't, um, I do care about, you know, having this, these trespasses against me stop, um, so... If this proves to be an effective means of making that happen, um, okay. I'm not going to argue with what's working. 
Um, but, you know, again, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I told you that, like, the universe was more or less the one inspiring me to start doing this podcast, and it was like, there was an urgency to it. It wasn't just like, no, 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 you have to start a podcast soon. It's like, no, you need to, like, get on this, like, now, today. Like, start talking about this now. And, you know, I didn't even really know what I was supposed to be talking about on my podcast initially. And now, now I get it. Like, you know, the universe always knows what's going on before I do. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, now it's kind of starting to make sense because, you know, that's, that's the real thing. It's like a lot of the paperwork that I've done and that I show on my blog, like, you know, I don't want to, like, insult anybody by saying if you don't know anything about law and you look at that paperwork, it's going to seem very intimidating and authentic and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reality is I think that's probably true for most people. Um, I don't think it's for people who don't know a lot about law. And I think the reason that they do look, you know, authentic and whatever and intimidating a little bit is because they legitimately are what they say they are. That's all That's all it is. Um, they are authentic documents. They are real. They have a legal force in the universe. And I think that's really kind of what's been up for debate in my, you know, sort of greater microcosm, if you will. Like, not necessarily my immediate, well, no, that's not true. Like, in my immediate and, you know, medium microcosm, if you will. Like, my social media influence, for sure, the people in the law community. Um, you know, like, there's a lot of people in that regard that have been, you know, nothing but praises really to say about anything I've done, but not at the same time really convinced that I've really done anything. Um, you know, there's no real proof of any success of anything in court. Um, and, well, that's not even true 100%, but... <laughs> It isn't. Like, you know, I, I do have court experiences to talk about, but I've never been to trial. And, you know, that's what people want to know, is whether or not these arguments that I make are going to actually stand up in trial. And, I, you know, what I'm basically asserting now is that, you know, everybody's been asking, like, is silence truly consent? And I've said, well, you know, it, it is in the civil court procedures, in the rules of civil procedure. If you don't respond in a certain amount of time, that's it. You get noted in default, and then, you know, I can, you know, I can continue to move forward with whatever motions I want, and they are no longer able to participate. So, <clears throat> they lost their chance. So, you know, that is going to be something that I do first thing Monday morning. I might even, like, print the documents tomorrow. Um, the thing is, I don't actually have to fill them out. Like, I literally just kind of have to print them off and go there, so I may or may not go tomorrow or Sunday, because it'll just be a ten-minute stop at Staples on my way over. <coughs> Excuse me. And that will also just give me a chance to make sure that I do have everything, and, you know, if there's anything I don't have, um, I have made sure that it's on my USB drive and ready to go uh, for Monday already, so that's done. Um... So, you know, when I'm at Staples, I can actually, you know, do a final arrangement of my documents, make sure everything's ready to go, and go to the courthouse and get it done. Or find out whatever else I need to get it done. Um, 
like there is financial calculations to be made with interest according to the Courts of Justice Act. Um, because it's a bit of a hassle, I might take it out but for next time, but you know what? Um, it wasn't hard to do the math calculations, I'll be honest about that. Um, and it is, again, just like anything else, it's very specific as to how it goes into the form, so, you know, if it, if it goes as smoothly as I anticipate it will, like if everything else has gone with what I filed into the courts so far, and, you know, I'm not wrong in any of my calculations and it doesn't get all crazy complicated, <laughs> then uh, I will just leave it in next time because it wasn't hard to do. But, uh, you know, that was one thing I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to. Uh, so I procrastinated a bit. I didn't do it last night, I did it this morning, which is the reason that I didn't get to the courthouse until the afternoon. So, you know, on one hand that shows you what procrastinating can do, because if I hadn't procrastinated, oh no, doesn't matter, I still would have had to go back. <laughs> because I didn't have a back sheet. So that's really what I need, it's just a back sheet for one of the documents. Um, and I was correct about having two copies of that. I wasn't sure if I needed two copies of the affidavit of service. I don't believe that I do, because I got a copy of the one that he signed. So. I just take that back with me with my statement of claim. Um, so the affidavit of service, the statement of claim. So the statement of claim is saying this is what I was asking for. The notice of, uh, or sorry, the affidavit of service to show it was served on this day. Now I'm asking you for the default judgment to be awarded against them because the time has expired. There's no defense on the registrar. They haven't entered anything into the court. I'm asking you to award default judgment in my favor and you have the power to do this because of blah 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 blah. <laughs> so, the, I also said that today um, I would talk to you about why, um, like I didn't, I couldn't say this a couple of days ago, but I did start to get very excited about this because I told you about my dream about the shoes and making a good first impression and stuff, and I don't know. That was just like a really powerful dream because I don't have dreams like that very much. That's why. Like, when I do and they stand out like that, it's it's always significant. And then when I looked up the meaning, it has to do with, you know, making a good first impression and, and being professional and worrying about making, like, the perfect impression. You want to make the perfect first impression and you want to make a lasting impression. And, you know, that kind of stood out in my mind and I thought, wow, well, wouldn't it be kind of cool if that's what this is, like, if that's what this court case turns out to be, is something that makes a long and lasting Im and good first impression. Um, you know, good for me. Uh, probably going to scare the crap out of Housing Services and Ontario Works and every other person who works in government, and rightfully so. <laughs> you know, like, what else can I say at this point? Like, it has been four years, right? And and truth be told, um, I haven't disclosed my letter to the Ombudsman yet. So again, this is going to be some of the things that are just going to get more entertaining for me to share with you now that I have this victory under my belt, because uh, they really didn't do anything. Um, he hasn't responded to, you know, the other questions that I had about, you know, like, what is your opinion on all of this? And, and the duties and responsibilities that government service representatives have to the UN Covenant and why they're not honoring those rights. And, like, I got right into it with them in the letter. And I said, you know, if you're famous for solving things behind the scene, you know, maybe you can just get on some of these service representatives and or their superiors and find out what is really going on behind the scenes so that I don't have to be bringing people into court. 
And like, I seriously think he's blocked my email. I could be wrong about that. I am still able, or I was able, I haven't tried again because I don't want to push my luck. Um, but that deep email that I told you I wrote, you know, I, I wasn't suspecting that I was like, you know, cut off or whatever because I hadn't said anything at all at that point yet. Uh, I just basically told him that, yeah, you're welcome to look into it if you want because I'm going to need any information that I can get anyway to help me with my case, so maybe you can help me to collect information, let me know what you determine by your investigation, something to that effect, and then he responded to ask me to forward all of the correspondences I have had with Housing Services since uh, I contacted the Ombudsman or whatever and filed the Statement of Claim, so I divulged that to him, and I never heard any word back. And that's when I sent the letter, I think, the following Monday. Um, it was right after I said I was going to do it on the podcast. So whatever day that was, it was the next day. So I can use that as a record even. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, I uh, gave him a very detailed whatever about what he could do and told him that there was outstanding notices against Ontario Works as well and I don't want to have to take them into court and I don't want to have to worry about being threatened with by them for further economic duress in the future, you know, whatever. And I sent it just to the same email, like I went to the original thread, I copied his email, pasted it into a new email, put something in the subject line, I can't remember what, and, uh, oh, actually I do remember, um, it said, is there anything further, uh, our office can do? at this time. That's what it was. And so I quoted that in the subject line. And then I sent it to him, and uh, it immediately bounced back, and it, like, literally says, it, the email, GnosticWisdom37 at whatever, you know, gmail.com, that's my email, um, has been blocked by, you know, Tom Baker at whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm. I went, checked the email address again to make sure it was correct, and of course it was, because I used copy and paste, so you can't really screw that up too badly, you know, um, <laughs> and, uh, I thought, well, that's awful strange, and so I decided to go into the original thread, and I read it again, and I had used that original thread to send everything, like, all further correspondence, whatever, and a final one saying, okay, I think that's everything, you're up to date, uh, and that was it, so I read that last one, and then I was able to reply again to it. So I just did that. I replied, copied and pasted the message from the other email that I had just sent that bounced back, and it didn't bounce back. <laughs> so, um, you know, it might just be a security setting. That is a possibility. I want to make that clear just in case somebody thinks and knows about this technology and is thinking I'm being paranoid. I am aware. Um, that certain organizations and especially government organizations and whatever that have security features on email will only allow for emails to be sent to their inbox um, by their initiation. So they have to initiate the first email exchange and then you can respond as many times as you want back and forth to that initial email, but you can't. It's to prevent spam and like unwanted emails from people that might not be happy. Um, like, whatever. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, as a collections officer, for example, if I was still doing that and we were collecting or communicating with people by way of email, which I'm sure we would be doing because they would 
they would use anything that's up to date, but that would be a perfect example. Like, um, I wouldn't want to take the chance on being harassed or having my email flooded with spam because of whatever. And so it would only be set so that only I can initiate outbound emails to people and they can respond to them, but people can't <coughs> initiate an email correspondence with me. So it's very possible that that's just a setting he has. But either way, he hasn't responded to me. And I find that very funny as well, especially considering that the city of Ottawa hasn't responded to me either, because I told him that, you know, I thought it would be a good idea maybe to try and uh, sweet-talk the city into not filing as frivolous and vexatious, because I'm just going to perceive that to be even further harm to my character and defamation. So, you know, and I can make these arguments in court. I have a feeling he just, like, basically took that, shared that with him, probably. And that's okay, I don't mind. Like, I wouldn't have written it if I, like, I would have considered all of these, you know, nothing I'm telling you would have been, like, not considered by me beforehand. Um, I don't do things without thinking about what the consequences could be, worst situations, so, like, I already considered what would happen if, like, he's just sharing every single detail that I give them with housing services. Well, like I said, this is why I'm very happy to do everything by written correspondence, because I'm not ashamed of anything I write. I'm very clear about everything I'm writing. I'm very clear about what I want to achieve with all of my writing, and it's consistent throughout with every department that I'm writing. And that's what's making this very difficult for the government as a whole, um, because nobody wants to be held accountable for it. <laughs> and yet, it's like kind of all over the place that these uh, trespasses are happening, if you will. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, I find it very interesting that they didn't even at least convince housing services that maybe it's not a good idea to, you know, go into default. But again, here's, here's the legal angle that I'm thinking of. Um, and the problem is, keep in mind that I'm really not a lawyer. I'm just like, I learn the law as a layman would, as a common man would. Um, so, you know, I have my beliefs and then I go and find out where those, you know, rights that I believe I have are protected in law and I find them and, you know, I, I then tell people I have these rights and what's going to happen if they don't honor them and so on and so forth. Um, but, oh, see, I lose my train of thought so easily, but I know, uh, Oh yeah, I was going to tell you about um, why this might be smart for them as a legal option. So uh, I'm going to pick up on that thought in just a moment. Uh, the reason I'm picking up on that in just a moment is because uh, I'm out on my patio and I know it's probably in my best interest that I don't go back inside and get them, but uh, I didn't bring my cigarettes out with me. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go in and get one and then I'm going to pick this show up when I come back. Uh, Stay right there, I'll be right back. Alright, peeps, I'm back, and uh, no interlude this time, <laughs> because I keep forgetting that I can do that on my phone out here. Um, I've got to be honest with you, I kind of like the interludes, though. It makes me feel a little bit more like a DJ. Uh, anyway, I was going to tell you about some of the reasons why I feel that defense counsel may have gone this way. Um, so starting foundation for these beliefs um, 
must be rooted with the common knowledge that I'm coming from this with the understanding that that the initial letter from the court to me that conveyed to me defense counsel would be you know has the right to file a motion to dismiss in accordance with the rules of civil procedure you will have an opportunity to present your motions materials or whatever um, you know and that's all I was asking for right is, is fair opportunity but that letter um, was also saying a couple of other things in what it was not saying and I've mentioned this before like one of the arts I think to being able to think like a lawyer is to try to consider every time you read something what is not being said in the same instance as what is being said so in order to be able to do that we need to go back and take a look at what it was that the justice is answering to in that letter what have I said to the justice and what is the justice responding to me you know what is this in response to exactly um, well and it's in response to both my letter and the defense letter sent by Genevieve so I went back and read that one as well and I mentioned here that I even I even took the time to calculate how many days it would add to the claim for the three days that it was in uh, the letter that was being considered by the justice was being read <clears throat> well <laughs> um, I'm standing on the idea and this is important to the overall philosophy because it, it does weigh in considerably if this is true is that um, I believe that when I wrote my letter to the court it became apparent to the court that had received the letter from Genevieve that I hadn't given her consent prior to write that letter and I don't like she didn't mention in that letter that she attained my previous consent and according to the rules of civil procedure you are only supposed to do so with the prior consent of all parties there's no outside of court communication that's like a very strict no-no it's not just a no-no like it's a big one <laughs> and so I think that alerted the court to the fact that in fact I'm gonna go one step further this is what my intuition tells me okay it's not anything I can ever prove but this is what I believe happened because I believe she wrote that letter to the court and I believe the court looked at the claim and saw that I was like complying with all the rules of civil procedure they saw and read that it was legitimately a well put together claim and that it wasn't frivolous and vexatious on its face and they thought what are you trying to do and why are you why are you secretly communicating with the court without telling him and I think that was somehow communicated to her I don't think she was compelled to tell me <laughs> uh, and I could be wrong maybe she wasn't but if that was not the case then I believe she already knew that the answer was going to be no 
and that she was concerned that I might somehow find out about it and report her for not advising me. So she told me one way or the other to try and save her ass after the fact. But that's why I believe that it came back from the court, like just, why are you contacting us? Does he know that you're filing this motion? She was like, uh, like, you know you need his prior consent. So I think they told her to get my consent to her writing the court. And that's why she told me and said that you can write the court as well. And so, you know, as soon as I write something that's in opposition to what she's saying, well then obviously that means that we're not in agreement with the letter that she's sending to the court, which is what she's supposed to have. My prior consent to whatever it is she's going to be discussing with the court privately. Well, I wouldn't give my consent to that. That's her, in her interest, right? So I think she tried to allow for that implication. I think she got caught by the court. And that's what the court was basically subtly telling me with their response, is no, she's going to be compelled to respond like any other respondent would. She shouldn't have been contacting us outside of the court. Now, they're not going to say that to me because I had a reason to because she told me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that is the way it is. You're not supposed to communicate out of court. That's what the registrar is for. So, anyway, um, that leads me to believe that once that happened, and keep in mind, I told you, the day that I had the conversation with her, I said that my intuition was very, very spiked, because she was asking me to remove the named defendants. And I could just feel the fear she had for their jobs. So, I said yes, because, you know, okay, so what, this is going to cost them their jobs? Like, she's not going to tell me that, but because she doesn't want to let me know that, yeah, you've got a good claim, Um, But I think she reasonably made it clear to them that she didn't think the motion was going to pass. It didn't pass, Um, you know, and, you know, she realized that, yeah, filing frivolous and vexatious wasn't going to be a good move for them. And they don't want to try and offer a statement of claim or defense because... The main reason between going to trial on this and having it be awarded default judgment for no reply is that the order that I'm going to be having enforced on Monday, I can have done by the registrar because it is a uh, claim for, you know, damages, for harm. I'm asking for, you know, uh, a tort claim for... uh, $200,000 or whatever, and it's contractually agreed to that this is how much I'm going to charge them, whatever. So that's like um, a common law contract. I told them fair notice, gave them fair notice, that's what it's called, of how much it would cost them if they did this again, showed them what the law said, and they did it anyway. So that is a legitimate straight up and down claim. They're going to presume that everything is in my claim. That's the other detail, is that once they're noted in default, because they didn't respond, it is officially declared by the court that everything that's in my statement of claim is a matter of fact. So they just presume everything is true. And if everything in that statement of claim is true, I am very much owed the money, so they can just pay that out to me, have them order to have me paid out, and that all gets done by the registrar. The benefit for them 
is that um, I believe because it's not coming before a trial that uh, they may have the opportunity to avoid losing their job and or being charged criminally if it is discovered by the court that criminal negligence was in fact taking place, especially if it was determined or is determined by going to trial that it was willful criminal negligence on the part of these employees. That would be very, very bad for the reputation of the city of Ottawa and it would literally destroy the careers of all three of those individuals and my belief for this strategy, basically, one of the main sponsoring thoughts in addition to everything else um, that I've told you is that I have a feeling that judges and justices, if they are aware of criminal activity taking place, I think they have to prosecute. I don't think it's optional. And I think it's entirely possible that defense read my claim and realized that some of the things that were done were actually very serious criminal charges and that if they get discussed in court I could be potentially entitled to much more than I'm asking for because that was one of the things and anything else this good court deems appropriate blah 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 right so yeah that's that's my best take on it but I think that maybe they just think it's better to not speak to it at all and make it go away although it is an admission of everything being factual that's like that's why it's bad for them <laughs> um, but there's no criminal prosecution they don't basically they, they don't have a record they're just going to be paying the statement of claim um, and so you know there's not going to be any prosecution or anything like that uh, and um, you know those matters in there at least on their part are considered to be dealt with like you know, um, so, or at least for that particular time period anyway. Uh, <clears throat> so, and, and that's what I mean with respect to, like, it's a bit of a lose for me in a way because now all of those bigger questions I wanted to ask about, you know, having the forensic accounting done of the public trust, letting me administrate my own personal share of the public trust if you don't know how to allow me to repay my share of it and dispense of my natural wealth freely you know in a way that's beneficial to both our countries um, but yeah you know um, and the other part of it might just be that uh, this is like literally the hardest thing for me to believe but I've actually had friends say it to me in the past um, and not like I, I have had <laughs> Okay, I've had friends like that are more like social media friends, uh, friends in the law community as well have said this, but what I'm speaking about right now um, really is like my close personal friends and my close personal friends kind of believed that somehow, some way <laughs> I would be like I don't know, like, I don't know, 
yeah, I don't know how to explain it, because uh, I don't want to say, like, th that they knew I wouldn't be a king, because they certainly didn't think that, but, um, you know, they felt somehow that I was going to be able to hold elected officials accountable, that's what I'm trying to say, is that, you know, like, I was very passionate about a lot of the things, I am still <laughs> very passionate about the things that I was passionate about then, um, one of them being that, you know, I think it is disgraceful for a country as wealthy in natural resources as Canada is, um, that anybody should ever go hungry or go without, you know, not just shelter, like a dignified apartment like I have right now. You know, everybody is entitled to what I have right now at least and more. You know, people are entitled, to, like I'm entitled to more. And so that means everybody else is entitled to more too. Um, what I have right now is, like, barely livable for a resourceful man like me. Um, but I mean, it's not, it's not adequate. Um, and that's something that I want to change as well. But, you know, this could very well just be, you know, how one basically attains their position. Like, you know, I used to joke, um, you know, with, with my brother especially, like, I think he thought, well, I know, I know he thought I had, like, legitimately lost my mind when I told him that I was giving up my apartment in Guelph and moving to Ottawa, um, and that I was just gonna come here as King Sean, House of Andan, Hannah Stephen, Kingdom of God, and basically advocate that I have the right to pay for whatever it is that I need for my housing and whatever, with my thumbprint seal and make my way in the world as a king. <laughs> and, and my brother's just kind of looking at me like, and why are you going to Ottawa to do this? <laughs> and I said, well, that's where all of Canada's like most, most powerful elected officials are, right? That's the nation's capital, right? So, you know, it seems like the appropriate place for a king to do business with Canada's elected officials, right? And, you know, um, and he was just like, uh, well, you know, like, Sean, I don't think you're really a king, you know, I don't know if he actually said that, but if he wasn't, I can tell you for sure he was thinking it. Um, and, you know, I said to him, maybe not, I said, but, and again, I don't even know that he said that 100% for sure, but um, I, I knew he was thinking it, and I said to him, Michael, I said, whatever it is that you believe, um, just consider this, I believe that I am, and I believe, if I'm not, that I at least have a new and higher understanding of the law than the average person does by a long shot. And I believe that if I want to demonstrate that position in the world, you know, you got to start at the bottom and work your way up, right? I said, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start at the bottom and I'm going to work my way up. <laughs> and I'm going to do it in Ottawa. And uh, because I was very, very serious about actually making my way in the world as King Sean, as a bond and a Stephen, kingdom of God. And um, that's what I've done, ladies and gentlemen. 
and I think that what I was saying about you know that that kind of metaphor that ideology of, of like working my way up I kind of think that's what's happening <laughs> like I really do sort of see the universe as kind of like a big universe city get it universe city university um, you know school of hard knocks real life uh, that's the real school and you know like on a mystical level I believe that the people who are running the show they knew that the, like that I don't know that I would be really different than other people like just that you know I wouldn't want to go to school I wouldn't want traditional schooling I would just be like asserting justice in courts <laughs> I think they just knew that and uh, I think basically what they're doing is letting me hold court that's what they're doing they're acknowledging my position you know they, they don't want to like interfere with what I'm already doing they probably looked at what I'm doing online and they're just like, oh, he's got it under control. We'll just enforce what he does. So once the courts like are, are showing that they're going to enforce what I'm already doing online, that's like big for anybody else that's got things going on with me right now. Um, and it's also why, you know, I am going to have to be careful about not, you know, doing it too much, but whatever you know there, there's actually a thing I don't know if there's like a, I don't know, actually know if there's any like rule against filing a whole bunch of lawsuits as long as they're all legitimate um, because there is I may have mentioned this before if I didn't I wanted to uh, but there's like a frequent litigators price or a frequent litigants price to file into the court so if you're like and I think it might even be a little bit more expensive, not less expensive. I could be wrong about that. Um, I remember it seemed strange to me. Um, but, yeah, um, because, you know, normally, normally if you're frequently, you know, the more, when you buy in bulk, you get a discount, you know, so it, it seemed a little bit strange to me that frequent litigants pay more, but if they're, like, if they're frequent plaintiffs, right, then, uh, and they're winning money on a regular basis, then maybe they should pay more. So that's the reasoning that I believe made sense to me. Uh, but anyway, um, there's no rule against it, though. Um, and it's not like a lot more. It's, I think, maybe $20 more or $15 more or something. Um, but anyway... Um, and I don't know how many I would have to, like, file in order to be considered, like, a frequent litigant anyway. Um, but yeah, so the frivolous and vexatious litigant, because I was afraid of that. I was afraid that if I had too many things going on, that would qualify as frivolous and vexatious. It wouldn't. Um, like I said, frivolous and vexatious is kind of going after the same thing different ways. So if I was, like, you know, if I lost here and then I try to appeal and then I lose in the appellate court... And then I try to like sue somebody else for the same thing afterward, like that, that's becoming frivolous and vexatious. So, <coughs> this isn't anything like that because I haven't had this issue with any of these people before. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
I'll tell you, it is very interesting for someone in my shoes to be thinking about all of this stuff, though, because, you know, it's like zero to hero, basically. Um, you know, like, yeah, living on $600 a month to winning $210,800 in a lawsuit, you know, two weeks after I was worried about losing my home. Like, tell me the universe doesn't work in mysterious ways, but tell me that isn't also proof of how, you know, the greatest challenges in our life prompt us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do, you know? And it is true. I haven't been vexatious with any of the people that have been harming me because this is the first time I've actually filed anything into the courts and it was absolutely out of necessity. And uh, so now that that's been done and taken care of, maybe this will help to make sure that I'm not harmed by any other organizations in the future. So that's, that's the hope, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I may have more to say, uh, so I may come back to give, give you some final thoughts before I say goodnight, but, uh, I think that's pretty much my show for now. Um, I will share the documents once I have them filed, the default judgment thing, and explain that, and, uh, yeah, we're gonna get back to the, you know, Letters Out Loud series and all that stuff in good time. Um, this is just far too exciting right now, and, uh, let's face it, I think everybody's a little bit more interested in in knowing how this stuff works in, you know, the practical court system that we have, and that's what we just discovered. So, um, this is a big, big victory, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the only real potential now, and this is, like, true, <laughs> is that, you know, if I were to be, like, the only way that this can, like, be changed now is if I were to be, like, tackled or something on my way to the courthouse trying to file the, the notice of default. Um, and I realistically do not think that's going to happen. I think if they wanted to serve me, they could serve me with email over the weekend. There's all kinds of things they could do. I'm not anticipating that's going to happen. I already mentioned on Thursday night on my blog that, you know, they were going to be in default at the end of that day. So... If they were in disagreement with my belief, I know that they are reading my blog at least enough to find out what the hell I'm doing. They would have emailed me and said, no, 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 we're not in default, or something. You know, they would have done something. They're keeping track of what I'm saying about them. So, if they know that I'm going to go to the courthouse right away and file them in default the day that I'm able to, then they would have, if they were going to do something to try and intervene with that, I'm pretty sure I would have heard about it by now, at least by way of email. Because she knows I'm not, like, unreasonable. If she if she just emailed me and said, no, hey, I thought we had until whatever, can you give us until then? I would have said, yeah, fine, what are you doing? <laughs> I would have probably said, what are you doing first, and then said fine after she told me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is my show for today. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Um, be back to say goodnight in a bit. Alright, thank you for joining me for the uh, fabulous Friday edition. Um, <laughs> it's actually Sunday for me again now. I've been getting these published late, and it's always because I forget to do this little outro, and uh, yeah, this time it took me over a day to get around to doing it. So, thanks for joining me. I'm going to be doing a uh, podcast Sunday. That's today in my microcosm right now. 
and uh, I'm just going to be talking about, um, yeah, some reflections I've had on the news that I was sharing on the podcast you just finished listening to, so uh, check that out, Um, should be up later today. Thanks again for being here, love you all very much, till next time.